And let me be one of many of people to, to welcome you to Northridge Church. I can't tell you how honored and excited and pumped we are to have you. Welcome home to each and every one of you. Bills fans, you look a little bit lighter today. I'm just saying. You, you, everybody else is stressing and worried, but you guys are like floating on cloud nine. So congratulations to all of you. And hey, welcome. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter nine. Go ahead and put a bookmark there. We're going to eventually get to Matthew chapter nine. But I don't know if you are like me or not, but over the course of my marriage, over the course of, of, of living in different homes, one thing that I've learned to appreciate, a hobby that I've learned to grow to love, is planting flowers. Now, I recognize it's not the most manly thing to say uh, there in front of a crowd like this, but I, I've just learned to love, like in, in every season, the, the different flowers that bloom in spring and in summer and in fall. And, and, and one of my favorite things to do at our house, it's around 7.30, the sun's beginning to go down and my wife and I, the kids will be in bed and we'll just kind of walk around our flower beds, we'll pick some weeds and we'll just look at how the, the blooms are changing, how the, the flowers are, are growing, how things are, are dying and, and, and getting ready for winter. Like it, it's, it's an amazing process if you enjoy Enjoy it. And over the years of planting and interacting with all kinds of different flowers, I've come to this conclusion that the best flower out there is what, what is called the hydrangea. Any hydrangea lovers out there? Webster, come on, all right, yeah. And what I love about the hydrangea is it comes in many shapes and sizes. It comes in many different leaf sizes, leaf colors, and the blooms are huge, and they're vibrant, and they're, they're full of color. And in fact, if you, you were to come to my house, on our front porch, there's this giant row of about four-foot hydrangeas covered in blooms. Sometimes I think my wife treats her hydrangeas better than she does me, but that's a different sermon, okay? But if you've ever planted a hydrangea, you might run into this problem. You get all excited, you buy it from the store, you're like, this is gonna be amazing, and it does this. Like, where, where, the, where do flowers go? Like, why, do, why do you look like you plant this? If you weren't a gardener, right, you might come to this and be like, yo, someone pick this weed, right? Because it, it's not producing what it's supposed to. Let me show you what a real hydrangea looks like. Yeah, I mean, you, you notice the difference. Come on. We clap for hydrangeas, why not, right? Okay, let's go. I'm glad you're into it. And, and here's, here's what's happened is, as I've looked at my flowers and I've thought about our church, right, have we become this? We're sure we're planted and we're in the ground. We've got nice buildings and we've got cool, cool videos and we've got awesome music and we've got engaging sermons. We've got a welcoming environment. But are we producing what God wants us to produce? Or are we just the plant that everybody hopes one year would develop blooms? So the, over the next couple of weeks, here's what we're going to do, eight weeks, we're going to spend some time talking about what I believe for our church, the, the blooms, the fruit that God wants to produce in us, and we will become the church that he wants us to be. And we're starting this brand new series this morning called A Church That. And over the eight weeks, we're going to cast a little vision of not only the church that we want to be, but the individuals that we need to become. Because here's what I know about the truth, right? Is who we are becoming determines the type of church that we will be. This is what's fascinating about God's church. 
is God's church is, is a body, right? We're, we're the body of Christ. We are Northridge Church, a local church in the Rochester area. But ultimately what determines what type of church we will be is not the things that we do, it's the people we are becoming. And so what my hope in this series is that we will cast some vision about the blooms that not only should be in our church's life, but should be in my life and in your life. Because if I'm not producing blooms, what would, make, what would make me think our church would produce those blooms? Because who I am becoming and who you are becoming will ultimately dictate what type of church that we're going to be. And so if you're a guest here checking us out, I think you picked a great weekend, a great sermon series to get a glimpse into who Northridge Church is, but not only who we are, but who we want and who we desire to be as a church. And so this morning, we're gonna start broad and work our way more specifically. And the, the first thing that we wanna say about our church is we wanna be a church that is family. A church that is the family of God. It's why each and every week you, you will hear it. You'll hear your campus pastors say it. We will say this over and over again. Maybe you're tired of hearing it, but we say welcome home. Because our desire that you would notice from the moment you hit the parking lot, from the moment you log on to your device, that you would notice a tangible difference about Northridge Church, that we are ushering you not into a crowd where you can kind of just blend in, but into a family where you can be known and cared for and loved. That we want this place to feel like your second home. Now, I also recognize that with those words, family and home, come some tensions. Because for many of us, we have a family that comes with positive connotations, right? We had a great family growing up. We love our family. But for some of you, family comes with a negative feelings because your family wasn't a safe place. It was a hurtful place. And maybe for some of you, you, you've heard this before, right? You've been to a church before that said, hey, we want to be a family, and we want to we wanna be a welcome you home, and you've got the scars to prove that they weren't exactly what they said they were going to be. And so when we say welcome home, we, we say welcome to the family, many of us are guarded. We're like, okay, okay I, I hear what you're saying, Drew, but like, what does that even mean? And what does it mean that we want to be a family? I want to talk about three things today. When we say we want to be a church that is family, here's the expectations that we are setting. Our church family is going to be three things. It's going to be a place, number one, where you can belong. A place where you can come as you are and find a safe place to fit in, to be loved, to be known. Secondly, it's going to be a place where you can belong, but you can also learn to believe where you can grow in your knowledge of who Jesus is and what he did for you. You can grow in your knowledge and learn about the Bible. And then third, where ultimately we together as the family of God can become more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. That's the aim, right? That I would look every day more like Jesus. And so for the next amount of time that I have, I want to talk about these three B's. These are going to be kind of pinnacle B's in the life of our church. Belonging, believing, and becoming. And so let's talk about this word belong. We want to be a church that gives people a place to belong. What does that mean? Well, let me just kind of express it out, right? To, to belong, we want to offer, Northridge Church wants to offer our community a safe and welcoming place. A place that not only cares for you as an individual, but cares for all of humanity. A place where you matter to us. A place where you can find hope and healing. A place where you can find purpose and meaning. A place where you can serve others and be served yourself. A place that loves you, will pray for you, and think about you beyond just Sunday morning. 
a place that is committed to our city and to our community. I mean, let me put it to you like this. Ashley and I, that's my wife, we, we love to um, host people at our house. I, I believe Ashley and I both have the gift, the gift, the spiritual gift of hospitality. And so many weekends we will find ourselves inviting friends or family members or our small group over to our house to hang out, to chill, and, and, and just to, to have a good time. We just believe if God has given us a, a home that we should use it for his glory and his honor. And so we will often entertain. And anytime we have people over our house, we often find ourselves saying something that maybe you say to your guests when they walk in the doors. We just say, hey, make yourself at home. And, and we don't just say that as an expression of like something you say. Here's what we mean. Like, hey, you don't have to take your shoes off. Like, just keep your shoes on. Be comfortable. Hey, when you come into to our house, you know what? Hey, kick your feet up. Sit in the most comfy chair. Put your feet on the ottoman. Oh, you're thirsty? Hey, the fridge is right there. Just go grab something out of it. Whatever is in there, you can have. Because we want people to feel that. When they walk into our house, we want people to feel like they are at home, as comfortable as they can be. And as Northridge Church, that's what we desire for every single person that walks through our doors or logs onto one of our services. That we are welcoming them into a family that cares about them. We want them to be as comfortable as they possibly can be. Welcome home. But, but why? Like, why, why do we want to be that church? Why do we want to be a church that is family? Why do we want to be a church that gives people a place to belong? Well, let me show you why, biblically, I think this is really important for our church to be that way. I'm going to give you three reasons, and the first two reasons are found in the way God designed us, created us. You see, because when we understand how God made us, it, it has implications on how we treat people. The first reason why we as a church should give people a place to belong is that every person carries the image of God. Now, I want to pause here for a second because I think it's really important for us as Christians today to understand this fundamental but theological truth that every individual that you interact with today, tomorrow, for the rest of your life has something that God put in them. It is called the image of God. Let's look at how the Bible describes God creating us, right? In Genesis 1, God creates the world, right? He creates land and sea. He creates atmosphere, mass, light, and, and he gets towards the end and he creates mankind. Look what it says in verse, uh, chapter 1 of verse 27. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And I think it's really important as Christians that we remind ourselves pretty regularly that the people that you interact with, that annoy you, that you despise, that you disagree with, even the people that you think God wasted his image on have his image. Okay, and so what that does, when you look at people through that lens, it will change the way you treat people and the way you interact with people. Understanding the fundamental truth, the theological truth that God gave them a piece of his image in them. And so we wanna give people a place to belong. We wanna be a church that is family because we wanna welcome God's image back to himself. Second reason is that every person is created with a desire to belong. Now, many people don't like to admit this. I, I'm guilty of this. 
Many of us, because our pride is bigger than it should be, or maybe because we have what I like to call tough man syndrome, where we like to live life under the mentality of like, I don't need anybody. Like, I, I, I got this all figured out. Like, I, I don't need anybody to help me, save me, protect me, whatever it is. And the reality is, is God designed all of us to desire to pursue after a place to belong. Look at the Bible says, Genesis chapter two, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good. Anytime God says it is not good, we should lean in, we should pay attention. It's not good for man to be alone. Now, two things I want you to understand about the context of this passage. Number one, God said this before sin ever came into the picture. So we're living right here when God says this, the world is perfect. It's not marred by sin, and so this is not a result of us adjusting based off of sin being in this world. No, God is, he created a perfect world, and he says, hey, we were designed as people to live in community, in friendships. That's why as a church, we put such an emphasis on groups, on community. And we're starting next week. If you're not in one, I'd encourage you to jump into one. Right? God designed us this way. Now, many people are like, oh, well, God's just saying like, hey, you solve this problem by a man finding a wife. Like, if we got problems, just get married. Well, we all know how that solves problems today, right? That's not the solution. What God is not saying is the solution to the problems is marriage. It, it's a great gift that God gives us, but the solution is that we would live in relationships, that we'd be connected to people. And here's the truth. Every person, whether you're willing to admit it or not, the truth is the way God designed you is all of us are in pursuit of a place to fit in. A place where we will be known and accepted, loved and cared for. And why wouldn't that be the church of Jesus Christ? Why wouldn't that be Northridge Church? So we wanna give people a place to belong because they carry the image of God, because they're created for belonging, but the most important reason is Jesus, our savior, sets this example. And, and, and if you're new to Christianity or you've been following God for, for a long time, one of the best things that we can do as followers of Christ is study Jesus, because Jesus is a perfect model of how I and you should live. And if you study Jesus, you read the Gospels, here's one thing that will jump off the pages to you. How often Jesus gave people a place to belong. Jesus often did miracles, cured the sick, healed the broken, not because he was a doctor, but because he wanted to give people a family to belong to. You see, many people were drawn to Jesus for many reasons, but one of the most significant was he gave a culture that was in desperate search for a place, he gave it to them. He welcomed them into his family, into his community. Think about the 12 disciples, right? Uh, this mismatch, hodgepodge of, of guys, right, from all different backgrounds. You got fishermen, you got tax collectors, you got doctor. Right, like, and, and he, what did Jesus give them? Sure, he gave them a mission, but ultimately what Jesus gave the 12 disciples was a community to live in, a place to belong in God's kingdom. And here's what's crazy. When you read about Jesus, guess what ticked off religious people more than anything else about Jesus? is who he was giving people, who he was giving a place to belong. That's where we get to Matthew chapter nine. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Matthew chapter nine, we'll pick it up in verse nine. Really easy to remember, now Matthew nine, nine. It says this, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. 
And so just to kind of give you the backdrop of Matthew chapter nine, here Jesus is early on in his ministry. And we know that because he's still uh, collecting, he's still drawing his disciples to help him lead his ministry. And here in the text, we read, Jesus comes to Matthew, Matthew is a tax collector, and he says, follow me, and Matthew does it. It's miraculous, it's amazing. And if that's all we get, we miss some of the depth here because when Jesus comes to Matthew, the, the Bible gives Matthew's profession. He was a tax collector. And if you don't know anything about Jesus' culture, tax collectors were the scum of the earth. Tax collectors were, were, were the number one most hated people in all the culture, right? If, if the culture had anything to agree on, they all agreed on one thing. They hated tax collectors. Why? Because tax collectors were thieves, they robbed from everybody. They were really rich because they would overcharge taxes on poor and rich people to fill their coffers to make them rich. And so everybody hated them. It was so bad in this culture that the Roman officials had to assign guards to every tax collector because if they didn't have guards, the community, the culture would kill them. That's how bad it was. And for Jesus to have the audacity to go to a tax collector, a nasty, scum of the earth tax collector, and to welcome him and to give him a place to belong was audacious. How could Jesus do this? Oh, and it would get worse. Look at verse 10. It says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Oh, okay, it's one thing to, to invite somebody to you. It's a whole other thing to go to them, Jesus. Oh, and wait, many more tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. What is Jesus thinking? Does he understand who he's associating with, the people that are around him? And guess what? All the religious people are asking those questions. Look at verse 11. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why? Why is Jesus, why is your rabbi, why is your teacher hanging out with such filth, tax collectors, and sinners? And can, can I tell you today, I bet there would be many religious people, many Christians today, if Jesus were to show up, who would ask the same question. Many of us would be ticked if Jesus showed up to our city, to our community. We'd put our hands over, like, what is Jesus doing? Does he know where he's at, and does he know who he's hanging out with? That's exactly what the religious people of Jesus' day, and probably the most of the religious people today, and when we think about Northridge Church, we think about our church wanting to be a family, giving people a place to belong. Can I be bold enough to say this, that if we're not a little bit uncomfortable with who's showing up through our doors and logging onto our services, maybe we haven't done a good enough job telling people about the hope and healing that Jesus can bring in anybody's life. Really, guys? That's it? Did you hear what I said? Let me say it again. I don't need claps, but listen, right? We should, as a church, be so loud about what Jesus can do in people's lives that it makes us uncomfortable about who is showing up to our services because of the hope and the healing that only Jesus can bring in people's lives. That's what Jesus was. In fact, he hears the religious people are, 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 are a little bit mad at him, and look what he says. He says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, 
but the sick. Go and learn what this means. Maybe some of us, we just need to learn what Jesus is saying. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus kind of lays it on the table, and here's, here's what we need to understand for our church. In our church that is a family, giving people a place to belong, as, as long as I'm leading Northridge Church, our church will be a hospital for sinners, not a country club for Christians. Right? I think too many churches today have fallen into this trap of comfortability, right? I sit where I always sit. We sing the songs that I like and we look a certain way. We act a certain way. And here's what we declare to the world. You aren't welcome here. These doors, this, this online stream is not for you. But hey, if you fix yourself up, if you clean yourself up, guess what? Jesus has a space for you. That's the complete opposite of what Jesus is doing here. You ever show up to a hospital and it's just full of healthy people? Right, over the last three years, can you imagine what our nurses and our doctors have been through dealing with sick people? And yet the church has become a, a country club of Christians, comfortable, when we would need to be a hospital for sinners with the hope of Jesus Christ. And let me just express to you what this means. For you as an individual and for the people that you are inviting, our family, this church will be a place where you can come as you are. And what that means is you can bring your baggage, you can bring your brokenness, you can bring your hurt, you can bring your past, you can bring your regrets, you can bring your addictions, you can bring your doubts, you can bring your disagreements, and what you won't find here is judgment for who you are, but you will find hope and healing in the name of Jesus Christ right here at Northridge Church. Because we are a family that wants to bring hope and healing to our community. And here's, here's the reality. I know for many Christians, our, our hope and our goal is that our community would understand the gospel. And one of the best ways we can help people believe in Jesus, one of the best ways we can help people understand the gospel is by giving them a safe place to belong. By saying, hey, you don't have to change before you meet Jesus. Let Jesus change you. And that takes us to that second B, right? We wanna give people a place to belong, but we also wanna help them learn to believe. And I get in, in these two Bs, there's a tension, right? Because you might ask the question, can, can someone truly be belong if they don't believe? Can someone truly feel at home at Northridge if they don't believe what we do? And I wanna talk and I wanna nuance these two tensions that we feel. You see, in this family at Northridge Church, you gotta understand two things. The first one is there is a place for you here even if you don't believe what we believe. If you are part of that 10%, we know in our surveys that around 10% of our audience hasn't crossed the line of faith. They don't believe what we believe. And if that's you today, can I tell you, you are always welcome at Northridge Church. You will find a safe place where you can ask your questions, you can learn more about Jesus. And it doesn't matter whether you're married or single, young or old, kids or no kids, deaf or hearing, black, white, Hispanic, no matter your sexuality, whether you agree with us or not, here's what you will find. You, will, you can show up every week, you can jump into our community groups and you will find a community that will love, pray, and be there for you. But, but, I also wanna be real with you. 
I don't want to bamboozle you. Here's the truth. We believe at this church the most loving thing that we can do for you is to teach you the truth of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, even if you disagree with us, that's okay, but we will not apart from God's word. We will preach the truth over and over whether you agree with us or not. Because we believe the most loving thing that we can do is give you Jesus. Because the second thing you have to understand is you are not a part of the family of God until you believe in Jesus. You see, there's something that happens when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, his cross that we celebrated and remembered, and his resurrection. In that moment where God becomes your forgiver and your leader, he ushers you into his family. He no longer sees you as an alien, but he calls you son and daughter, co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And because when you believe in Jesus Christ, it changes everything. And it will change your experience here. If you, if you come, is there something dramatically different when when you disagree and when you believe because when you sing the songs that we sing and you believe them, they're more than just lyrics on a screen. They're, they're a cry of your heart. They're, they're, they're the depths of what God has done for you. And when you believe, you get the spirit of God. You get peace that goes beyond all understanding, purpose and contentment in life. And the reality is, is when you believe in Jesus, you will become more like him. That takes us to that third B, right? We want to give you a place to belong so that you would learn the truth of the gospel. And ultimately, our goal and our aim as a church is that we would become more like Jesus, that we would actually be producing the blooms and the fruit that God wants us to, to produce. That's called sanctification, right? It's, it's a big theological word for the process that God works throughout our lives so that we would look more like him. And when you believe in Jesus and you have his spirit, it will change you from the inside out. And so when we look at our church, we want to be a family. And what we mean by that is we want to give you a safe place to belong, whether you believe with us or not. A place that won't judge you for who you are, but will pray for you, care for you. Ultimately, that maybe one day you would learn to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that gospel will change you and you will become more like Christ. And so as I wind down today, I just want to do two things. The first thing is I want to ask you a question. For those of you who are here today and maybe you haven't crossed the line of faith, I would just ask you, are you ready? Do you want to be part of the family of God? Right? Here's what's amazing about what Jesus did for us. Is some of you say, man, I want to be a part of the family of God, but I'm not sure I'm good enough, Drew. I'm not sure if Jesus will accept me. Well, I got great news for you. There is nothing you can do to be good enough. There is nothing you can do to achieve it because it's not what you do. It's what Jesus has already done. That through his cross and his resurrection, he paid for it. And all you have to do is receive his free gift of grace. That Jesus, because of his cross, be an enemy you couldn't be in your sin. And he gives you victory by coming back three days later. And the Bible says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead and you will be saved. What's that mean? You're saved from your sin and you are ushered into the family of God. God looks at you and he says, son or daughter. And if you haven't made that decision, man, you have a family here just longing and praying that you would make that decision. At the end of this series, October 30th, we're gonna have what we call open baptism where we gotta go crazy as a church. We celebrate all the people who are gonna go public with their faith. It's one of the best Sundays of the year. You don't wanna miss it. If you haven't been baptized, it's a great heads up for what's coming. So what would hold you back from being part of the family of God? 
Just say those words to God. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a friend. It could just be a cry of your heart. But for all of us as, as Christ followers, for all of us who are part of this family, the family of God, here's what I'm learning about family. Is family is as much what you give to it as what you take or receive from it. We, we, we are all in families. Some are blood families, some are adopted families, some are just friendship families. And here's what I know about a friendship or a family is, is there's this give and take relationship that what makes a, a, a family healthy is you not only getting from your family, but you giving back to your family. And if you just look at my family, right? We have a fairly large family, Ashley and I, we have four kids and, and the age range is eight years old to six, six and a half months. And, and early on in our family's uh, life, Ashley and I knew as parents, when our kids were young, we were gonna have to give and give and give and not really get anything back. Maybe a smile or a laugh, that was about it. But what's amazing about how my family has grown and transitioned is how much, especially our oldest daughter, she's eight, her name is Joelle, how much she's ready to, to give back to the family. Like she, she doesn't wanna just take anymore, she wants to, to, to give back, she wants to be a part of the family. And so Joelle at eight years old is, is constantly wandering around and she's like, hey dad, can I help cook with dinner? Can I, can I bake cookies? Can, can Mom, can I help clean? Because she just longs to be a part of the family. So you know what we did? Best parent advice I, I, I can give you. We taught Joelle how to make coffee. <laughs> and I'm telling you, like there are mornings where we wake up and I'm like, babe, did you make the coffee? No, Joelle has got hot coffee ready for us. And every once in a while on Friday, my day off, there's this cute blonde, it's my daughter, just so you know, there's this cute blonde comes into our bedroom and, and she's got hot coffee in mugs with creamers in a pan. And she's like, daddy, mommy, I made you coffee. And I'm like, revival is happening in the Karstner household, baby. <laughs> But you know what my daughter wants? She wants to be part of the family. She wants to give back to all that she's received from mom and dad. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been coming to Northridge Church for six months, a year, two years, five years. And you know what, for a season you needed to heal for a season, you needed to just figure out who we were. For a season, you just needed to recover from burnout. I don't know what it was, but can I tell you, if you're still there, you can stay there. It's okay. But if you recognize, man, this is my family. This is my church. Maybe it's time to not just receive, but to give back. And that can happen in a lot of ways. Sometimes it's just serving. It's finding an area of passion, whether it's kids or technology or whatever it is in serving. Sometimes it's giving back financially to a church that has invested a lot into you. Sometimes it's just showing up more, honestly, coming more than once a month. Sometimes it's, it's leading a group or maybe it's getting back to leading something. Maybe for some of you, it's jumping into a group. I don't know. But if this is your family, don't just take from it. Be a part of it and give back. Because we wanna be a church that doesn't get through the year and say, man, we, we did everything, but did we produce anything? You wanna be an individual that looks at the, your life at the end of the year and says, wow, I, I just went through the motions. No wonder you don't have any blooms. But we wanna be a church full of individuals that says, God, plant me in your word, teach me your ways and produce in me the fruit and the blooms that you want. And ha here's what happens when we do that. We become the church, not that we wanna be, but the church that God wants us to be.
Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word and how it challenges us. Thank you for you making a way that we could be a part of your family. What a gift, God. And I pray for that person who's going back and forth. Do I really wanna be a part of the family, God? God, I pray that your spirit right now would draw them to you and that they would make the decision to become son or daughter of King of Kings. Help us to be a family, God. In Jesus' name.